everyone. Welcome back to Mascot Talk, a college football podcast. We finally got the boys back together, me and Bridger this time. So that's that's great. And we got a lot of great games to recap over this past weekend. Um, I would say this past weekend was easily the best college football weekend we've had this year, uh, just in terms of kind of what transpired. But uh, to kick us off, Bridge, let's let's kind of focus on the college football playoff rankings that actually just dropped uh, tonight. We got Georgia at one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, and then TCU finally gets in there at four with Tennessee at five and Oregon at six. So just kind of what are your thoughts on the new CFP rankings and anything that you agree with or, or disagree with? Well, I think if there's a college football god out there, then he just answered a lot of prayers last week because <laughs> we got to see Alabama drop multiple games uh, in the season before the Iron Bowl against Auburn for the first time in 10 years. So, you know, uh, uh, if you're a college football parody fan, then that's that's big time. But uh, when it comes to these rankings, I I think they got it right. I think we both agree on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU, or yeah, TCU finally made it into the four spot, which is, I mean, that's where they should have been last week already. But uh, Tennessee at five and then Oregon at six, they're the first two teams out. You know, I think they got it right this time. I just, the only thing I don't like is the fact that and we were talking about this before the college football playoff committee is so inconsistent. Like they're never, I mean, last week they had uh, TCU ranked at number seven behind Alabama, a one loss Alabama team. And now this week they have TCU ranked ahead of uh, Tennessee and Tennessee is a one loss uh, team, but Tennessee has way better wins than Alabama ever had. So I don't understand. I mean, TCU played Texas Tech. Uh, I mean, it's it's a Big 12. There's not that many blowouts, but, I mean, TCU only won by 10. Uh, so, like, there wasn't anything special that TCU did this week to make that, that, in my eyes, would be like, oh, wow, let's put them ahead of Tennessee now. Like, that doesn't really, like, make sense to me um, what the committee was doing. I think maybe – what they did do is maybe they realized that they made a mistake and they should have had TCU higher uh, to start with last week. But I don't know. I, I would just like to see a little bit more consistency from uh, the playoff committee when it comes to things like that. But I ultimately, I think they have it right the way it is now. Uh, Oregon is in a good spot at number six. Um, I think that uh, it really kind of starts to map out like kind of how these teams could make the playoff potentially. And um, LSU, two-loss team at number seven, they could be the first team to make the playoff as a two-loss team. But other than that, the only thing I've seen is maybe some SEC bias. We've talked about that a few times. No idea how Kentucky made it back into the rankings. Kentucky's not very good. But other than yeah. that, I don't, I don't really have many complaints. I mean, I, I, you could argue that uh, Clemson having one loss, Ole Miss having one loss, and UCLA having one loss, that 
Clemson really could have dropped down to that number 12 spot and you could have had Ole Miss at 10, UCLA at 11 because let's be real, Clemson's probably one of the worst one-loss teams. They just got absolutely throttled by Notre Dame. Uh, Love to see it. Glad they're not going to make the playoff. Hopefully they don't make the playoff. I mean, who knows? Yeah. There's big brand bias as well, not just SEC bias, but um, yeah, like – I, I could guarantee right now, Ole Miss, I'd put all my money on Ole Miss or UCLA beating Clemson if they played today. Yeah, I, I'm an, I, I agree. Honestly, I would. I don't know how you can put, especially UCLA. I don't know how you can put Clemson, and I'm, I'm even kind of leaning towards alabama as well like if if you're putting usc above alabama which they're at number eight right now and bama's at nine i think ucla is a better and more complete team than ucla or than usc is i think ucla is better i think caleb williams might be a little bit better than dtr but i've liked a lot I've liked what I've seen with UCLA a lot more than I have with USC. It, it seems like USC has really good offense, but their defense is is really struggling. I mean, they let a, a subpar bad Cal team back into the game this past weekend and only won forty one to thirty five at home. And UCLA's only loss we remember was a two touchdown loss on the road at Oregon, and Oregon's playing as good as anybody is in the whole country right now. And that's why the committee has them at six. So USC, in my opinion, I would flip actually UCLA and USC. Um, I think when they play, I would, I would think that UCLA can actually get it done. I, I feel like UCLA's a way more balanced team than USC is. And, and back to my original point, I don't think Clemson should be above Alabama, USC, Ole Miss, or UCLA. And in fact, I honestly don't even think they should be above Utah because I think Utah is a more complete and better team than Clemson is. Like like you said, Bridger, I think Clemson's one of the worst one-loss teams. And it's just because of the easy schedule. Like, you want to talk about cupcake schedules? Talk about the ACC this year. Like, they are not a good – that's not a good conference. I mean, you have For sure. a bad one-loss – like, who's wor- who's the worst one-loss team, North Carolina or Clemson? Like, I don't know. Like, they both are really bad, right? Like, they're well, not good. What's funny is – I mean, we'll probably find out. They'll probably play in the ACC championship. But yeah. what's funny to me, like, I saw something earlier that was like, um, Clemson is the top of the ACC, obviously, right now. And then mm-hmm. followed – uh, and Syracuse was up there, like, uh, and <laughs> we just saw what Notre Dame did to the two best teams in the ACC. <laughs> and then uh, exactly. we've seen what, like, Stanford did to Notre Dame or uh, Marshall or Ohio State. It's just kind of funny. Like, the yeah. the top teams in the ACC just got absolutely throttled by Notre Dame. And then... <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny. The ACC is definitely a little cupcake. By yeah. far the worst conference in college football. Yes, hundred percent. Not like, even close. Yeah, and normally it's, it's the Pac twelve, but this year it's hands down. Yeah, it's the ACC. Like, there's nobody in the ACC. Like, you take the top teams from the big. You take Ohio State and Michigan. You take Georgia and Tennessee, Alabama. 
you take Oregon, USC, LS, or excuse me, old UCLA, Utah, you take LSU even. Like I would take literally any of those teams right now over Clemson. Like if they were all to play Clemson or North Carolina. Yeah. I'm, Bro, I'd I mean, probably the, take Penn State over Clemson. I would too. Yeah. For all oh, hands down, because Penn State actually has a decent offense. I mean, Clemson's quarterback play these past couple of weeks has just been atrocious. And I mean, they did it. You know what? Let's just, let's just, let's just open this up, guys. We're going to move on to the ACC game, which we're kind of talking about right now, which is Clemson and Notre Dame. And Bridge, let's just start off with, I mean, Clemson, yeah, you're right. They played atrocious. Like, you can't go into South Bend, the number four team in the country, and, and play as bad as you did, especially because Dabble Sweeney benched DJ Uyunglele, right? And then the very next, like literally, Cade Klubnik comes in, throws an interception. This is after DJ threw an interception, right? Then Cade Klubnik comes in, throws an interception on his first throw. Okay, then what does Dabo do? He puts right, he goes right back to DJ. Like, this is a team who who has no idea what they're doing on offense. And I mean, if you look at the stats from the game, and this is a subpar Notre Dame offense. Like Notre Dame was able to get 348 total yards of offense. Guys, Notre Dame only had 85 passing yards, but had 263 rushing yards. And 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 Clemson was only able to muster 280 total yards of offense. I mean, it was just a horrible showing for the Tigers. Honestly, all kudos to Notre Dame. I I feel like and I think me and you have talked about this bridge. Like they're a way better team the second half of the season. If you look at just the teams they've beaten and how much better they've played since their losses, early season losses to to Marshall and Ohio State, and then their one to Stanford three or four weeks ago. Like this is a this is an improving team. So I mean it's it's good on Notre Dame. They got a tough couple of games though. They still got to play SC. Um, and they still got a couple more tough, tougher games, but I mean, this was a Notre Dame team who, who still, I mean, looking at it, they're so one dimensional, right? They can only run the ball still, but it didn't seem to stop them from just pounding it at Clemson. And so I think Clemson right now is just, yeah, they're just not a good football team. They're still trying to find their identity. And I mean, Good job, though, to Notre Dame. I'll give them all the credit. I was rooting for the Irish. I mean, it, this is kind of nice because, uh, me and you talked about this too, Bridge. Like, Clemson at four was a joke. Like, I feel like any one-loss team is better. The one-loss teams that were behind Clemson, and including undefeated TCU, all should have been in that number four spot last week instead of Clemson. Yeah, and I want to give definitely like a – little shout out to Marcus Freeman. Uh, it's unfortunate that Notre Dame lost to Stanford in that game. I mean, they barely lost. Stanford kicked that game-winning field goal. But, you know, if they wouldn't have lost that game, I think Notre Dame would be getting a lot more credit than they are right now because other than that Stanford game, they've actually looked like a pretty competent team. And they've just figured out, like, with what that team has, they know that they don't have a good quarterback. They know that they don't have the receivers. They know that all they have is Michael Meyer at tight end. You Like, they know those things. And so what does he do? He just says, okay, we'll just beat teams running the ball. 
I like I love like hands down to Marcus Freeman. Um, like that that's awesome. And then you go and you you play the number four team. That's obviously the biggest win in Marcus Freeman's school so far. And you know that's huge for Notre Dame and the program. So um, definitely a, a little shout out there. But you know Clemson just they just look terrible. This is one of the worst Clemson teams that Dabo Sweeney's had. And, you know, there, there could be a lot to, you know, point fingers at, you know, you just lost your defensive coordinator that had been there forever. Uh, they lost their offensive coordinator. Was that last year or two years ago? Um, but, it, you know, they, they've definitely lost a lot in the staffing area as well. So it, it's hard to bounce back, but um, yeah, definitely. Uh, me and you called this game, did we not? Yeah, <laughs> I we wasn't did. on the show last week. But, <laughs> oh no, uh, uh, yeah, we, I called we had been talking Dame, about yeah. that for weeks. Yep. Oh, we'd been talking about that forever, it, and you know, we just kind of knew that Notre Dame would uh, be able to establish some dominance in that game, and they did. And you know, no, Notre Dame's a, a decent team. They're not great, but Clemson's just bad. They they really are. If they had anybody else's schedule, then they would have lost uh, a couple of games by now. So, you know, they they yeah. also have to play Louisville next week. So, that that could be a good game. But yeah, I think we've probably said enough about Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll give them a little bit of a break. All right, moving on to the Big Twelve. We got Oklahoma State at Kansas uh, this past weekend. Um, to, to Oklahoma State's credit, Kay, they were without Spencer Sanders, so I'm going to give them that. But Kansas's backup quarterback, Bean, who's actually been the backup since about week four or five when uh, Jalen Daniels got injured, um, he played phenomenal uh, for for Kansas. And Kansas had over 500 total yards of offense. Um, did a, was two for two on fourth down um, and Really, what was the shocking part about this win is they were able to run the ball for 351 rushing yards during this game. I mean, Oklahoma State just defensively just could not slow them down. And you know what? Kudos to Kansas, though, because this is the first time since 2009 that they're bowl eligible. So, I mean, if if any of you watched the game, they actually tore down the goalpost after the game. Which I thought was kind of funny, you know, because I mean they were five and three going into that game versus, you know, Oklahoma State, who was a ranked opponent, but you know not terribly great. And you know they won thirty seven sixteen. They tore the goalpost down, but it's just because you know they haven't had anything to be happy about in Lawrence, Kansas, in, in terms of football for a really long time. And so it was really awesome to see them get bowl eligible. I still think they're a really good team. Um, and I'm going to give a lot of credit to their backup quarterback, Bean, because he's just played so great in Daniels' absence. And so, you know, kudos to Kansas. But Oklahoma State, they've dropped their last three games, I believe, three out of four. So, I mean, it's just sad to see. But, yeah, kudos to Kansas and, and great job. Definitely kudos to Kansas. I mean, let me – let me paint you a scenario here and tell me what you think. Uh, you're a pretty good high school football player, uh, maybe really good. And I tell you, hey, Carson, 
Um, do you want to move to Kansas and play football for the Jayhawks? Do you want to go to college at the University of Kansas? Do you even know where Kansas is on the map? Like, <laughs> like, what are you thinking in your head? Dude, who wants to go to Kansas to play football? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Who who finds that attractive? Nobody. So the fact that they've done what they have this year is impressive. I mean, in today's world, I think that recruiting is a lot different. Like you see teams like Nebraska, even a historic program, like who, who, who wants to go to Lincoln, Nebraska and mm-hmm. live there for their, and spend their college career in Lincoln, Nebraska. Like if you're good enough to play at Nebraska, you can probably play it a lot of different places same with kansas like if you're good enough to play at kansas like why wouldn't you go to tcu or or somewhere like that so like it i can only imagine how hard it is to recruit there um but having said that like i i think that kansas is definitely the most improved team this year uh you know and the big thing here is even without Spencer Sanders, like Oklahoma State, they still played good in the passing game. They still threw for over 300 yards. Uh, the issue was, um, well, it, sorry, let me take that back a little bit. Take that with a grain of salt because obviously they threw three interceptions. That definitely hurts the team. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that Kansas, like you mentioned, they ran for 350 yards. They had they won time of possession by over 10 minutes. That's a whole quarter where Kansas had the ball that Oklahoma State didn't. So out of the whole game, Oklahoma State was only seeing the ball for three quarters worth, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, Kansas did great. They ran the ball. They just tore up that Oklahoma State defense. Definitely a big surprise, but got to be happy for Kansas. They're finally bowl eligible. And, um, you know, even without uh, Jalen Daniels, they're still playing great. So I uh, definitely like to see it. Um, and then on the other hand, Kansas state, what happened, what happened to Kansas state? They've been playing so good. They've been playing so good. And then they just could not pull it together against Texas. They almost made the comeback though. They did. And I almost thought that this was going to be another game for Texas, right? Classic Texas. They get a big lead and then they blow it because it was, what, 31 to 10 at one point, and Kansas State clawed its way back. And I mean, the final score was 34 27, and Kansas State actually was driving on the last possession of the game and fumbled it. And that's what actually ended up winning the game because that was the last, it was last couple of minutes of that game. And so, you know, c- kudos to, to Texas because I actually picked Kansas State to win that game because I know that they've just been playing really tough. And I mean, Kansas State did have more first downs, uh, more y- total yards of offense. And, I mean, they both had two turnovers. So, I mean, kind of sloppy for both teams. But just the biggest statistic was how how great of a game that uh, B-, B. John Robinson had. I mean, he had 209 yards and a touchdown on 30 carries. Like, And Deuce Vaughn was held to only 19 carries and 73 yards. So... I think really the biggest credit was to Bijan Robinson because I mean Quinn Ewers played all right. Uh, he def- he didn't complete. He only completed barely above fifty percent of his passes, and 
I mean, Adrian Martinez definitely was the one who kept Kansas State in the game, but really the game MVP was Bijan Robinson. I mean, he had an outstanding game, and Texas really depended on him, and and he delivered. So, Texas definitely has the best running back room in the country. I mean, you have Bijan Robinson who played outstanding, but you also have Rashawn Johnson who's a senior and has had to play behind Bijan Robinson his whole career, and he still was averaging nine yards a carry. He only had the ball seven times and ran for 62 yards. And he broke one free for 37 yards um, on a big one. So like they, they do have a really deep running back room. Rashawn Johnson's looked really good at times this year. He could play anywhere in the country and, and be a really solid starting running back. But yeah, definitely the difference in the game was uh John Robinson and just the fact that Texas was able to run all over Kansas State. And to to be fair, that's kind of like what TCU did when they beat Kansas State. They just ran the ball well. So that's definitely a weakness for Kansas State. Texas uh, took advantage of that and, and took the game, obviously. So, you know, they didn't have to have Quinn Ewers playing good to, to be able to win. It's still Quinn Ewers' first year. It's still... Uh, what is it? I mean, he got hurt. How many games did he miss? Like three. So yeah. that's still only like his sixth game starting. He didn't get any reps. I mean, this is a kid that graduated early, enrolled early, um, and went to Ohio State when he was uh, supposed to be a senior in high school. Didn't get any reps. I think he played two downs at Ohio State, and none of those were throwing the ball. So nothing really there maybe like other than development stuff so comes to texas wins the starting job over hudson card and then this is only a six game starting so probably not anything crazy to expect from him but yeah you're right like he didn't play very good so they're lucky they had Bijan robinson and rashawn johnson to pull him out of that game because kansas state tried to make a big comeback and they almost did so Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, let's maybe talk about how Michigan State beat Illinois somehow <laughs> with half their team suspended, um, parole or probation, basically. Um, yeah, yeah, hell. yeah, <laughs> yeah. This game, you know, what's crazy though, Bridger is look at this. Let me let me paint you this. Michigan State wins twenty three to fifteen, right? But I still don't understand how, because Michigan State had 17 first downs, but Illinois had 25. Michigan State had 294 total yards of offense. Illinois had 441, and they still lost. Like, how do you almost have 200 more total yards of offense, and you still lose the game? Like, that, well, that's a better just, question. Here, here, better question. How do you go one for six on fourth down? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, How do you go one for six on fourth down? Exactly. That's the game difference right there. I mean, whatever they wanted, but they went one for six on fourth down. You know what? And I mean, I guess we got to give credit where credit's due. Like Michigan State stopped them, you know, five out of the six times on fourth down. But what was what was really shocking is i mean chase brown had a really good game for illinois didn't have any touchdowns though um 
Tommy DeVito for Illinois threw the ball actually pretty dang good, was 25 of 37 for 288 and two DDs. But, I mean, Michigan State, just special teams, was actually one of the big reasons why they won this game. Um, And then Peyton Thorne actually probably played one of his best games of his career not only of his career, but of this season for sure. And he still was only 19 to 29 for 182, two TDs and an interception. Like this Michigan state team, like they're bad. Like I, I, it still blows my mind that Illinois, um, Illinois lost this game. Cause they, they had less penalties. They had more time of possession. They had a hundred more passing yards. I mean, but honestly, what shocked me was going into the game, right? Illinois' defense was only allowing 8.8 points per game and the best rush defense in the country, allowing less than two yards per carry. Like, that was insane, right? Michigan State was able to run the ball for 112 rushing yards. And, I mean, nobody really knows who Michigan State's running backs are because they're just not – you know, I know Berger, I know it's Berger, but I mean, he hasn't done anything this season that's been too impressive. I mean, in every aspect of the game, Illinois dominated, but on the scoreboard and in the wing category, like I, I just, I mean, it's classic Illinois because Illinois lost to Michigan state and Indiana this year. And by the way, that the, Michigan State and Indiana's combined record this season is seven and eleven. So, I mean, it's just classic Illinois, I I guess. And and me and you called this bridge. I mean, I think we were talking about how I mean Illinois is going to play better teams here down the stretch, and they're going to lose, right? Because they still have to play Michigan, and regardless of what happens there, they'll probably. St- event they'll probably win out besides that Michigan game and go to the Big Ten championship and then get blown out again by Michigan or Ohio State so like I mean just the Big Ten West is just so weak this year and I I just don't know that's why they need to get rid of conferences yeah exactly they need to get rid of divisions yeah but divisions yeah yeah. 100% yes well it's tough for Illinois because they get an interception the first play of the game and then go down and have fourth and two uh, or fourth and goal from the two yard line and can't convert. So they turn the ball over there, force Penn or Michigan State to punt, and then they get the ball and they go score in two plays, which is great. But then uh, you have this awesome drive right before halftime. You're down nine to seven because you fumbled the ball. And it's right before halftime. They go 14 plays. They take almost five minutes to go 63 yards. And uh, they get third and nine, and they get a penalty uh, for an illegal block, and it's 15 yards, and there's no play. And then you lose 15 yards when you're at the 19-yard line to set yourselves up for third and 24. You're still at the 29, okay? You're still at the 29. You can easily kick a field goal. What do they do? They go for it on fourth, or they get five yards, and then they go for it on fourth and 19th from the 29. I don't know why they didn't kick the field goal. And then second half, they fumble the ball after Michigan State gets a touchdown. That's fine. But listen to these drives where they, you know, the one for six statistic where they didn't get it on downs in the second half. They're only down by eight points. 
They they drive the ball 80 yards in 11 plays. They take over five minutes, and they stall on the Michigan State 20 and can't get it um, on a fourth and two from the Michigan State 20. And then your defense holds the offense, or your defense holds them, and then your offense downs again. And then it's yeah. I mean, it came down to those few plays. They convert on a couple of those. Uh, I mean, that fourth and goal from the very get go, from the beginning of the game, and then later in the game too, they had to drive stall out. It's just that's that was the difference in the game. Illinois could have easily won, but. We definitely talked about how Illinois is just like a Syracuse team, right? They just, they're not playing anybody good, but they're winning. So what do you do? They're in the Big Ten West, which is one of the worst uh, divisions in all of college football. I mean, that's a horrible division. Mm-hmm. It, it, they make the Big Ten look horrible, right? I mean, none of those teams are doing good. So it's, I mean, who have they played, right? So, yeah, it's – I mean, they were so close to winning, but, yeah, they're obviously a bottom-tier team. They're going to go to the Big Ten Championship somehow because somehow divisions uh, exist like that, and they're still going to make the Big Ten Championship game, and they're going to get beat bad. So, mm-hmm. it's definitely – uh a cause for concern when it comes to divisions. I know we've talked about that a lot, but you know, I was also surprised. I know we weren't going to talk about this game, but the fact that Iowa beat Purdue 24 to three, just a surprise (laughs) to me. Did you see the, the pregame show for Purdue when the train got stuck in the middle of the field? Yeah. (laughs) Kind of funny. Maybe that was, it was just crazy that Iowa What was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it was just crazy that Iowa, Iowa's defense, right? They're good. But it was just crazy that their offense was able to score 24 points without having the help from their defense. Like, it was just, like, you yeah, know. A little surprising for sure. It, it was. But um, also surprising that Rutgers was up 17-14 over Michigan at halftime. And somehow Michigan outscores their opponents 100-3 to in the last five <laughs> games in second half play. Yeah. I don't know what happened. It's football. It's college yep. football. Yep, it's it's college football. And and speaking of, we're going to skip the Pac-12 and go right into the SEC. Um, just one game that I wanted to just hint on real quick. I just thought it was funny that Florida beat AM on the road 41 to 24. I called that game and I think you probably would have done the same. Like I A&M's just bad. And and I sent you a post earlier today Bridger, of, you know, a five-star player from A&M decommitting. And I mean, it's what's going to happen because this is Jimbo Fisher's third or fourth year, sorry, fourth year at A&M and what they're, they're three and three and six. Like they have to win out to even make a bowl game. Like that, that's bad. They got to make it through Auburn and Ole Miss. Obviously you get to, or LSU, sorry. Obviously, you get that cupcake game the second to last week in the SEC uh, where they play Massachusetts, but maybe they lose to Massachusetts. I don't know. Massachusetts is one and eight. <laughs> but there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. But if they lose to either Auburn this week, there's no way they make it through LSU and 
in uh, week 13. So, no. Yeah. A&M's not even going to make a bowl game. But Anthony Hill, that's a big decommitment because he's good. Yeah. He's a five star uh, linebacker and he's. He's a leader, and he—I mean, he—he's a really good uh, high school prospect. Not not just because he has five stars, but if you watch film on him, he's an absolute beast. So, definitely a big loss for them. I wonder—I mm-hmm. can only wonder if that's the start to a big collapse in uh, College Station with that massive recruiting class that they have. Yeah. I mean, I mean they still haven't had signing day, all the recruits that they, Oh, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. I know that class already signed last year. So I um, mean, they could still transfer. Out. Myself, that's the crazy thing though. They can still transfer out. So, I mean, who, who, who wants sure. to, and they do, they still have a good recruiting class for this year. So, and that's part of Anthony Hill, this 2023 recruiting class. So, and they haven't signed yet. That signing day is in December, like December 21st or 22nd. So, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, it's it, it could be the beginning or the start of a or a downfall in College Station for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's let's talk about. I'm going to save the the most exciting game to talk about for last. So let's actually talk about the Tennessee George game. I watched this game and. I think what stood out to me was that Georgia offensively actually played really good. I knew their defense was good, and I knew they would give Tennessee fits. Um, I actually predicted Tennessee to win this game, so I'll take full responsibility. I just thought that offensively I would pick Tennessee's offense over probably anybody's in college football right right about now, Oh, you know, just over Georgia's, especially this weekend. But after what I saw, I'll – you know, I, I'll admit I was wrong. Like, Georgia's still the top dog in college football. Um, their defense held the Volunteers to only uh, 289 total yards, but the even crazier statistic was that Tennessee was only two for 14 on third downs. Like, just awful, awful third down efficiency for Tennessee. And then Tennessee had nine penalties. Um, a lot of them were false starts and and credit that to the Georgia student section and the Georgia fan base because they they were rowdy and they brought it but um I mean this was a really good game if you're a Georgia fan and just kind of like you know I I don't think Tennessee's out of the picture yet for the college football playoff but it's going to be really cl- hard because they're going to need a couple of teams to to lose in front of them um, or but even behind them, yeah, or even behind them, so they don't get jumped. So I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be. I mean, I'll, I'm going to tip my hat to Stetson Bennett. That was one of the best games that I I'd, I'd seen him play. Um, he had two touchdowns for 257, but he actually ran the ball really well as well, and he had actually like a 20 yard run in for Georgia's first score of the game. And I mean, it was just. Uh, really a domination from the start. I mean, the score is twenty-seven to thirteen. But if any of if anybody watched the game, that game was over by halftime. Oh, for sure, it was a, definitely a dominant performance. I mean, it feels like that game could have been a lot worse than it was, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. I mean, you take away a couple of Georgia's. I mean, that fumble at the very beginning of the game on their first possession led to a Tennessee field goal. There's three points, right? 
Um, and then they had another fumble uh, in the second half. And if I remember right, like Tennessee got the ball and drove the ball pretty good, but then they turned it over on downs. So, um, you know, you take a couple of those things away and take away some of Georgia's field goals. And this game's a lot bigger than it. Like it felt like Georgia, like it felt like Tennessee never even had a chance, even though it's only a two touchdown difference. It did not feel like a two touchdown difference. Did it? No, no, not at all. Like, no, it didn't even feel close. And, I saw something earlier this year um, kind of when Alabama was struggling and Georgia had taken it to Oregon in that first week. And I kind of saw like, right. I heard some talk about how there's been a shift in college football about how like the Alabama, like Alabama always being on the, on the, in the King's throne basically shifted to Georgia and mm-hmm. how Georgia, because they won the Natty last year and their recruiting and what Kirby Smart's been able to do and kind of their trajectory, what they did against Oregon, like how they just had all this momentum and how Alabama was on the downfall and Georgia was on the rise. And at first I was like, man, there's no way. Like Nick Saban's still at Alabama. There's no way. Like Alabama's still Alabama. But I do have to admit, like, at this point of the season, Georgia has looked like the best team in college football, hands down, easily. I don't know who can beat them um, all around. And they show up for tough games, and they play tough. And we've seen that. they don't. The thing that Georgia doesn't have for them this year that's kind of been something we've talked about is they just don't have the schedule to really show us how good this team is, right? So you take they only had the Oregon game and then they have this Tennessee game but other than that they really haven't had that game or any other games that have been like oh how good is Georgia and that's kind of why we see you know they play Kent State closer than it should be they are losing to Missouri until the last 4 minutes like we hang on to those things because we don't have anything else to hang on to besides that week one win. And then we just see them beat Tennessee and, and that's, it's just a good reminder of how good Georgia really is. Like they, they definitely are a really good team. Their defense is legit. Um, They were able to contain that Tennessee offense for most of the game. So really impressed by Georgia in that win. Um, And maybe maybe Tennessee was overhyped. I don't know. What do you think about that? Cause like, I can't decide cause I, I know that Tennessee has some good wins, but like I, for some reason they just don't feel like, I don't I don't know how to perceive it. Maybe it's just me. I, I even think the they're... one over Alabama. I like, I don't know. Cause Alabama like, hasn't looked like Alabama. They don't like, I could see any team in the top 10 beating Alabama, especially after LSU just beat them. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to read that. The yeah. only game that I'm like, wow, is the LSU game because they went to Death Valley and won 40 to 13. But even that game statistically is actually pretty crazy that the score ended up being what it was. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so they're like, good. I don't know how to. I just, I just don't think they're a complete team yet. I think they're offensively, they're really good, and I still think they're really good. Um, but just defensively, because in my opinion, Georgia's offense hasn't been anything spectacular this year. They've gotten the job done for sure, but just if we watch it right, like Tennessee gave up a bunch of points to Alabama, right? They gave up a bunch of points to Florida. Um, they, you know, they've given up, they gave up points to pit. Right. So I just think that they're a good team, but they're just not complete yet. They just don't have both where they have a good enough defense to win it. Right. In college football nowadays, you not, you can't just rely on pure offensive talent anymore. Like it's just, it's just Georgia and Bama have now molded the game, especially Georgia now, to where if you don't have a good defense, you're not winning because Georgia's defense is so good that whoever goes up against them, if your defense isn't as good, you're not coming away with the win. And so I just think Tennessee is really good offensively and just still needs to find a way to get better defensively. So Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think that um yeah georgia is a perfect example of how a great defense it just doesn't matter who you play yeah i mean you could go against the number one offense in the country like tennessee and just absolutely dominate so Mm -hmm. especially if your offense is half competent and you know sets and bennett bennett he does get the job done and they have great tight ends they have um they have brock bowers they have washington and you know, they, they still have really good players on offense. So I think George is definitely doing it right. But um, kind of already talk, talking about the Alabama LSU game, uh, what were your thoughts on that? Um, I actually got a couple. So, by the way, great job by LSU. Great job by Brian Kelly. I thought going for two – in overtime was the perfect decision because you're at home. And I just feel like the longer you hang around and try to put up your Dukes against Bama, like the the better and easier it is for Bama to find a way to win. And I felt like LSU did a great job. I, I thought um, Jaden Daniels played absolutely um, phenomenal for, for LSU. He may not have had, you know, all that many yards cause it was only 182, but he didn't turn the ball over. He had two touchdowns throwing the ball. Um, and he was also the rushing leader for for LSU as well, carrying the ball for 95 yards and the touchdown. Um, I will say, though, that this is the first game where I actually felt like it, I felt bad for Bryce Young in the sense that it, it just is so apparent that this year he just has no help on the offensive side of the ball. Like, He's trying to do everything he can to help his team win. And just, they just do not have any wide receivers this year. Like they don't have a Devonte Smith or, a, you know, like, or, you know, Judy or, you know, Mechie Jamison like, Williams. or Jamison Williams. Exactly. Like they don't have the offensive talent to throw the ball to. So Bryce Young is literally having to do everything for this team. And, and Jameer Gibbs didn't have a terrible game. He carried the ball 15 times for 99 yards, but I mean, just Bama just is, is so one dimensional in the sense that they only have Bryce Young. I mean, Jameer Gibbs is great, but 
you need to be able to throw the ball in the SEC in order to win games. And and we've seen that with Tennessee, right? Like they, they couldn't throw the ball against Georgia and they lost, right? Georgia, Stetson Bennett threw the ball great and they won. Like the, the SEC is so good at stopping the run a lot of the times that you need a good passing attack. And that's just one thing Bama has not had this year. And I mean, credit to LSU and that entire staff for keeping Bryce Young in check. I mean, Bryce Young was 25 of 51. He threw the ball 51 times because he had to. And the problem is, is he just didn't have, you know, the, the players to help him out on, on that side of the ball. I mean, he still had 328 passing yards, but he just didn't have that go-to guy that he could go to. And when the, you know, when the game got tough, I mean, Bama had basically a hundred yards more than LSU had in total offense. Bama had 465, LSU had 367, but I mean, just all praise to to Jaden Daniels for LSU. I thought he played a phenomenal, probably the best of his career. Um, and and great job by Brian Kelly by staying really aggressive uh, towards the end. And I mean, L- LSU is a good team. I've been saying it all year long. Like, I know that they lost to Tennessee and it wasn't pretty, but they came back and they stomped Ole Miss. Right? They they've they have some quality wins now. So. I, I, I do feel like this LSU team is legit, and I've been really impressed with what Brian Kelly's been able to do in his first season as head coach there. Yeah, and there's actually a pretty crazy statistic for Alabama's offense. Um, of In the entire year, all of the yards that they've had in every game, 65% of those yards have come from broken plays. So if there's any statistic that can tell you how much Bryce Young is carrying this team on his shoulders, it's that one. Because any broken play, meaning Bryce Young had to go out of the pocket or create something because the defense applied pressure, right? Mm-hmm. The play didn't go as designed. Bryce Young scrambles around, does his thing. He's a freaking magician in the backfield. Nobody can tackle the dude. And LSU actually did pretty – really good in this game i mean they had a a couple of like very important like shoestring tackles when out when bryce young was trying to get out of the box and they just barely like they would barely get him down quite a few times and a couple of those were like game changers but it's crazy that 65 percent of their total yards is coming from broken plays that's a pretty bad statistic to have Honestly, you shouldn't have to do that, especially if you're Alabama. So, yeah, I definitely feel bad for Bryce Young. He's an incredible athlete, by far the best college. There's nobody that does what Bryce Young does. Let, let's be real. Um, especially, like, what he does in the backfield. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that LSU did they, – they played the game – the way that they needed to Jay, uh sorry blanking on his name what's his name uh Jaden Daniels yeah Jaden Daniels sorry he like multiple times on first down he would rush for like five or six yards and he would get it or and he basically would keep setting them up for 
second and manageable, third and manageable. So I thought that that was uh, super important. But um, yeah, I I think that Alabama they're they're in a bad spot right now, uh, specifically because they can't defensively. They're not doing anything um like they should be they have such good players and so i think there's definitely going to be some change to come to uh tuscaloosa and they are going to have to get some new coordinators defensively and offensively definitely going to need some new coordinators we lost you cars your wi-fi is terrible yeah it is but you're back (laughs) there it is no, I'm back. saying now Alabama is going to need some new new coordinators at the end of the year. Like I, this is the worst coaching performance we've seen from Nick Saban in his 15 years at Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, like I think it's pretty clear the amount of talent they have on this team is outrageous, offensively and defensively. They have such good talent, and um, they're definitely going to change some some things around with the coaching staff yeah yeah no i i i i totally agree um i i feel like you know alabama's is is still a good team right they still got really talented players but yeah i just hats off to lsu um brian kelly great job like it was a really exciting game to watch. It really was probably the best game of the weekend. But um, yeah, I I felt like it was ballsy uh, call to go for it, two. It that was solid. I it screamed was. so loud when we got that. <laughs> I was so happy. Oh yeah. All righty. Well, and, I th- and to end Liberty beat Arkansas. <laughs> Liberty beat an SEC team and still couldn't get ranked. How can yeah. Liberty get ranked? Yeah, I know. I feel bad because they've only their only loss this year is to Wake Forest because they went by for one two. point. Yeah, yeah, they went for two and didn't get it. So they gambled and lost, and somehow they're not ranked. I don't know. Crazy. I don't get it. Somehow Kentucky's ranked. I want to see Liberty play Kentucky. <laughs> I think Liberty would win. I do too. I don't think Kentucky's very good at all. They beat Missouri by four points and made the rank somehow. Like the committee literally was like, Oh, who are we going to put? Oh, Kentucky beat Missouri by four points. Let's put them in. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But no, I, I, I totally agree. I know, but I um... talked about it, but. <laughs> we got a uh, we got a lot of decent games coming up this weekend uh as as well guys so make sure you tune in on on Thursday me and Bridge will have another episode uh out for you but um until then we'll see you guys on Thursday <laughs>